Good morning, church family. Good morning. If we haven't met yet, my apologies. They keep me locked up in the basement with the students. So, but I, I love it down there. I'm the youth pastor here, and it's my great pr- privilege to work with our students. I'm so thankful for that, and I want to thank you for that privilege. Um, it's that time of year when we throw around words like um, Emmanuel, like we just heard from the choir. Thank you, choir, for that beautiful song. Um, it's wor- and what does Emmanuel mean anyway, right? What does that mean? And is it spelt with an I or is it spelt with an E? <laughs> I don't know. Anybody think I? Any hands? So spelt with an I. Anybody with an E? Anybody with an E? All right. Anyway, my Bible says I, so that must be right. I don't know. <laughs> right? Uh, but we also throw around words like incarnation, right? What does that mean? Um, and what incarnation? Does incarnation mean anyway? <laughs> For that matter, what does tarnation mean? <laughs> I actually looked it up. It actually means surprise or bewilderment is what it means. So what are these words? So this morning, we're going to go to God's Word and see the beauty of these words, right, and what they mean for us. The title of my sermon this morning is God With Us. Okay, if you could pray with me. God, we're grateful for a chance to gather Um, to praise your name, to celebrate God with us. We're so thankful for an opportunity to dig into your word. God, teach us your word. Help us to understand your word. Um, God, be glorified in this time. Give us teachable spirits. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Um, I got a picture I want to show real quick, please. I love this picture. Oh, before I move on, though, I do have a cold, so please uh, be patient with me. Bear with me in this. But this picture, I see it floating around Facebook and I love that I share it. I don't share much on Facebook, but I love this picture. Um, and just to open up, just to get our, our minds wrapped on God with us, I thought we could just take one to two minutes just to talk amongst each other with the people around you. What observations can you make from this picture? So one to two minutes, what observations can you make from this picture? Just talk amongst you. Ready? Uh, hopefully you had some time to talk about this. I love this picture. But it, you see, first of all, Mary comforting Eve, right? You see the forbidden fruit in Eve's hands and a bite out of that forbidden fruit when sin uh, entered the world, right? Um, you see a serpent wrapped around Eve's legs. And according to the book of Revelation, we know that Satan himself. We also see Mary stepping on the head of a serpent. Now, that's interesting, isn't it? Because that is a promise of God from Genesis 3. Um, But actually, I would change it up a little bit because it's not Mary that actually steps on the head of the serpent, is it? Right? It's actually um, the seed of a woman would crush the serpent's head. The seed of a woman. So that little bump right there in Mary's belly, that's the one who's going to crush the serpent's head. What a cool promise. And finally, um, you see where their gaze where are they looking? There's a lot of hope that lies within the belly of Mary. Lots of hope. So with that said, I'm going to read from Matthew 1, 18 to 25. You don't have to go there. We're actually going to be mostly in John 1 today, but I'm going to just read this just to get our, our minds around Emmanuel, God with us. Here's what Matthew 1, 18 through 25 says. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. 
when his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what, was, uh, what the Lord has spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. <clears throat> so we see the word Emmanuel, and Matthew is quoting from the Old Testament. Um, so Matthew is quoting from Isaiah 7:14 from Isaiah, and we see um, him give the definition of Emmanuel, God with us here. So let's go over to John chapter 1. You can turn there. John chapter 1. We're going to flesh this out. You see what I did there? John chapter 1. We're going to flesh this out. You see what I did there? All right. That's, my, that's how my sense of humor works. <laughs> John chapter 1, we're going to just look at 1 through 3 at this start, okay? It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. All right, so John 1, 1 through 3. I love it. John starts off his book with, In the beginning. Have you heard those words before? We can find that statement in Genesis 1-1, right? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. See, John wanted his readers not only to think back to creation, but also to think back even further to before creation. All right? He had a powerful point to make about this being he's calling the Word. So let's make a list of everything we find out about the Word. Everyone say the Word. Here's what we learn about the Word. He was present at the beginning. The Word was present at the beginning. Before creation itself, the Word was present. Therefore, He's distinct from creation. He's not a created being. The Word was God. I'm sorry, was with God. Let's go there first. The Word was with God. So the Word, stay with me here, is distinct from God. The Word is its own being, its own person. So the Word was with God, but the Word was also God. So at the same time of being distinct from God, his own person, the Word was also God. Interesting, right? And we learn that the word also has a gender, right? John uses him and he to describe him. He was in the beginning 
with God. And finally, we learn that the Word made all things. Through the Word, all things came into being, right? And so in those few verses, in those three verses, we learn a lot about the Word. Now we're going to jump down actually to verse 14, and this is where my, my comment came in about let's flesh this out. <clears throat> John 1.14 says this. Let me read it here. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen His glory. Glory is the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. We see that the Word became flesh. Everyone say flesh. The Word took on human form. The Word who was there in the beginning, who was with God, who was indeed God, who was credited with creation, now becomes flesh. The creator of human flesh now takes on human flesh, becomes human flesh. And this is what we call incarnation. Say incarnation. Incarnation, when I was young, I didn't know what that meant. So I thought if there's anyone in here that doesn't know that. But incarnation means being in the flesh. God became human. Philip Yancey shares a great illustration I'd like to share with you about God, about incarnation, God being in the flesh. It's, it's a few paragraphs, so listen in. He says, I learned about incarnation when I kept a saltwater aquarium. Management of an aquarium, I discovered, is no easy task. I had to run a portable chemical laboratory to monitor the nitrate levels and ammonia content. I pumped in vitamins and antibodies and sulfa drugs and enough enzymes to make rocks grow. I filtered water through glass fibers and charcoal and exposed it to ultraviolet light. You would think, in view of all the energy I expended on their behalf, that my fish would at least be grateful. Not so. Every time my shadow loomed, over their tank, they dove for cover into the nearest shell. They showed me one emotion only, fear. Although I opened the lid and dropped in food on a regular schedule, three times a day, they responded to each visit as a sign, as a sure sign of my designs to torture them. I could not convince them of my true concern. To my fish, I was a deity. I was, no, uh, I was too large for them. My actions too incomprehensible. My acts of mercy, they saw as cruelty. My attempts at healing, they would view as destruction. To change their perceptions, I began to see would require a form of incarnation. I would have to become a fish and speak to them in a language they could understand. A human becoming a fish is nothing compared to God becoming a baby. And yet, according to the Gospels, that is what happened in Bethlehem. The God who created matter took shape within it. As an artist might become a spot on a painting or a playwright, a character within his own play. God wrote a story only using real characters, 
on the pages of real history, the Word became flesh. Say flesh. God became man. It says, it continues in John 1.14. God became man, took on flesh, and dwelt among us. That word dwelt, I like this, literally means tabernacled. That's a good word, right? Everyone say tabernacled. Have you heard those words before? Tabernacled, have you heard those words? Or in other words, he set up his tent, right? God took on flesh and set up his tent. He tabernacled among us. God became man and tabernacled among us or dwelled among us. And we see this as God's desire even from the beginning, even in the garden, we see that God was present with Adam and Eve. He was present. He dwelled with them in the garden. And we see this also um, in the Old Testament when God commanded the Israelites to build a tabernacle that he might dwell among them, that he might be with them present in the tabernacle, and specifically in the Holy of Holies. God tabernacled with the Israelites. We also see this in the temple. The, the tabernacle, right, was a mobile tent, right? The temple then was a stationary building, right? And God dwelled among his people in the temple. So we see this as God's desire. Now in this passage, we see God dwells with us in the flesh, in bodily form. To finish off John 1.14, we see that John confesses seeing the glory of God the Son, full of grace and truth. He saw Jesus, he saw God in the flesh with his own eyes. And that was his confession, this is God in the flesh, fully God, fully man. There's no doubt in John's mind of who Jesus really was, who Jesus really is. John believed that Jesus was fully God, fully man. And he wrote about these truths, as we see in John 20, 31, so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ. This is John 20, 31. So that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. He was really showing his, his, his uh, audience, which John wrote to everybody. It wasn't just to the Israelites. He wrote to everybody. That's who he addresses, that they would see Jesus for who he is and believe. So Jesus is God in the flesh who dwelled among us. But where is he now? The scriptures are clear that after Jesus died, was buried, and was raised from the grave, that he spent 40 days on earth appearing and showing himself to his believers, his disciples, and then ascended into heaven where he's at the right hand of the Father. So if Jesus, God in the flesh, is in heaven, see at the right hand of the Father, does he not desire to dwell among his people anymore? Is God still with us? Yes, of course God is still with us. That's been his desire from the beginning, right? He's still with us by the Holy Spirit. Say, Holy Spirit. 
So let's see what the Word says about the Holy Spirit. And you don't have to turn here, just listen in. This is Jesus speaking in John 14, 16 to 17. Here's Jesus speaking. He says this, And I will ask the Father, and he'll give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom, uh, whom the world cannot receive, but because it neither sees him nor knows, nor knows him, you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. So this Holy Spirit is going to dwell. There's that word again, dwell with you and be in you. First, uh, Paul taught, is teaching to the church in Corinth, and here's what he says in 1 Corinthians 3.16. He says, Do you not know that you are God's temple? That imagery of the temple again. And that God's Spirit dwells in you. The Holy Spirit dwelling within. And you are that temple. And so finally, um, how does that happen? How does the Holy Spirit come and dwell within a person? Um, and this was really, when I found this out, um, it really kind of helped me understand the Holy Spirit and how he comes to dwell. So this was a big verse for me when I was kind of newer in my faith. Ephesians 1.13, here's what it says. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him. You were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is a guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. So when we hear the gospel of our salvation, we believe in him and Christ and who he says he is, who the scriptures say he is. He is God in the flesh, came to die for our sins. He was buried, raised again, defeating sin and Satan. Then we have the Holy Spirit comes and indwells a person. You are that temple. God with us and the Holy Spirit. So, with that said, seeing God's desire to dwell with us, how does this flesh out? How did this, how did this flesh out in the life of the Apostle Paul? Point to someone and say, Apostle Paul. <laughs> Thanks. This is how I teach with our youth through a try to keep it a little interactive. They probably got a little shorter attention spans than y'all. <laughs> so I gotta gotta be get creative. Sometimes do flips. I'm just kidding. <laughs> So how did God flesh, how did, how did God with us flesh himself out in the life of Paul? I love the story of the life of Paul. God was with Paul. God was with Paul in his wanderings. And here's where your notes come in. Um, you, can, you can take notes. We'll also leave some room because later on we're going to do some, we're going to have a time to pray. And just with those categories in mind. So leave some space there if you're taking notes. God was with Paul in his wandering. We see this in Acts 9, Paul's conversion. See, Paul was raised in a Jewish faith. He was zealous for it. He was a Pharisee. And he was actually so zealous that he was persecuting Christians, the, the early church. Paul was heading to Damascus to throw Christians in prison. That's where he was going when Jesus calls to him. 
There was a bright light that was shown. It actually has no mention of a horse. <laughs> but that could have happened, right? But there's no mention of a horse. And he falls to the ground. And Jesus speaks to him. Uh, he says, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Now, Paul's name was Saul, right, before um, he got the new name. But Jesus met Paul, was with Paul, and is wandering. Listen to it. And then later on, so Paul believes, right? He goes to Damascus. He meets this incre- uh, incredible man of God. Um, he, received, he actually was blinded during that time when he met Jesus, and he gets his sight back. Paul believes. And listen to how Jesus um, speaks about Paul. He says, he, speaking of Paul, he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name to the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. So the same God, I believe the same God who pursued Paul in his wandering, I believe is still pursuing us in our wandering. I don't know where everyone is today, but might that be you? Might, be, might you be in a place of wandering? I was 19 years ago. I'm so thankful how God pursued me. And it was through his church, his people that loved him. Man, I'm so thankful. So might that be you? God was also with Paul in his hurting. Say hurting. Paul speaks about a thorn in his flesh. This is 2 Corinthians 12. Paul speaks about a thorn in his flesh. Now, I can imagine a thorn in your flesh is pretty painful. I don't know if this, we don't know if this was physical, if it was emotional. We're not quite sure. The text doesn't tell us exactly what it is. But it bothered Paul. Actually, the scripture says that it harassed him, Right? He pleaded with the Lord three times. I can imagine even possibly being on his knees, pleading with the Lord, Lord, take this thorn from me. Take this pain from me, whatever it, whatever it was. God, take this three times, he pleaded with God, it says. And in that moment of pleading, in that moment of crying out, in that moment of hurting, Jesus again speaks to him. God was with him in that moment. He says, my grace, Jesus speaking to Paul. My, it's red letters, that's how I know. <laughs> it says this, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. God speaks to Paul in that moment of pain and hurting. God was with Paul in that time. God is with the hurting. And the same God who is with Paul in his hurting, I believe, is with you and me in our hurting as well. Might that be you today? We can, with a group this size, we can be in all different places, right? Might that be you today? God is with you. Finally, God was with Paul in his going. Say, going. Going to make disciples. There's a, uh, in Acts 23, Jesus meets Paul while he's in the barracks, in prison. Jesus meets Paul. See, Paul was speaking to 
the Jewish religious council. So these are important people in, in the faith, in the Jewish faith. And um, there's Sadducees there, and there were Pharisees there. And Paul starts talking about resurrection, referring to the resurrection of Christ, of course. And Paul um, then starts an argument among the religious leaders. The Pharisees believed in resurrection. The Sadducees did not. And so there was a great calamity, as my Bible puts it, a calamity, an argument, a fight, and it got violent, actually so violent that they actually had to remove Paul because they were afraid he'd be torn to pieces. That's scary. That is some argument. And they put him in the barracks to protect him. And in that moment, in that moment of Paul going and sharing his faith, sharing about the resurrected Christ, Jesus meets with Paul. Listen to what it says here. It says this, The following night, the Lord stood by his side. Isn't that awesome? I love that. Paul's sitting in the barracks, possibly in chains. I don't know. He's sitting in the barracks, and Jesus stood by his side. Here's what it says. Jesus speaking to Paul, he says, Take courage, for as you have testified to the facts about me in Jerusalem, you must also testify you must testify also in Rome. How encouraging that the Lord God with us would stand beside Paul in that scary night, right? And actually, they, the, the religious leaders plotted to kill Paul. You can keep reading in that same chapter. They, were, they, they took an oath not to eat or drink anything until they killed Paul. Well, they broke that oath, right? Because he didn't die in that moment. <laughs> but God was with Paul as he was going to make disciples. And I believe the God who is with Paul and is going is also with you and me in our going. I know this to be true. Matthew 28, 19 through 20. We kind of focus on going and making disciples in that, and that is absolutely true. But listen to the end of this, this verse. Jesus says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and listen to these words. And I am with you always, Jesus says. I am with you always to the very end, end of this age. Jesus says, I am with you. Go and share your faith. I am with you. In those scary moments of God prompting your heart to go and, and share the gospel with your lost neighbor, with your lost friends. I am with you. Go. And we can share our faith in full confidence that God is with us. God is with us. Um, I learned this quote from Kimberly Kennedy because my wife shared it with me and I love it. It says, one awkward moment, one awkward moment for you could mean an eternity for someone else. Wow. Sometimes it's hard, right? It's awkward. One awkward moment for you could mean an eternity for someone else. Go and share God is with you. God is with 
the wandering. God is with the hurting. God is with the going. I got a story I want to share with you. Better check the time. I got a story I want to share with you um, about a time when it was a scary moment in my life. It was just a, kind of a brief moment, but God was with me. Um, I'm so thankful too. <clears throat> my, uh, I, it was, I was in, in college and my family and I were out hunting that day. It was around Thanksgiving. My family and I grew up hunting. And of course, we didn't get anything because I'm a terrible hunter. <laughs> but I uh, came home. It was getting dark. And wanted to visit with my mom quickly. And um, my, uh, my mom lived in this trailer home for, for a season. And so stepped in there. And um, her boyfriend was there. So I, if, if you know my story, I'm raised in a, or I was raised in a broken home, um, and so my mom was dating this guy. Um, but there's something I could tell when I stepped in, there's something kind of interesting going on. I didn't know what it was. My mom was over here, and the boyfriend was over here, and I didn't quite know what was going on, but it was something, it just didn't seem right. They weren't really talking to each other. There was a little tension there. And so I didn't know what to do in that moment, <laughs> but my family and I, we decided to go down the road to my uncle's house. They lived basically in the same driveway. We just walked through the woods to my uncle's log cabin, my uncle and aunt's log cabin, had a meal together. But I couldn't, I couldn't, um, I couldn't let go of that, what's going on? There's something here. I believe that was God, the Holy Spirit, prompting me, go check that out. Go find out what's going on in that situation. And I was wrestling with this, praying through it, and God, the Holy Spirit, just kept prompting my heart, go check it out. And I was kind of fighting this because this is that's it might have been kind of scary, right? So, but in my um, but I even asked my aunt and uncle, Uncle Lee, Aunt Nancy, do you think I should go back and check that out? I told them about the uh, just kind of the situation, and they actually encouraged me not to. They encouraged me not to. They said, Bruce, that's their business. Don't worry about it. But in my heart, I just had to. God was prompting me. God was with me by His Holy Spirit. So I go back. So I go back, and I'm walking in the dark. It's just a short walk down the road. Walking in the dark on this dirt path, and I hear yelling and screaming in the house, in my parents' or in my mom's trailer. And they're arguing. They're fighting. And I'm walking up, not sure what to do. God, what do I do? God, what do I do? This is scary. This is hard. What do I do? And so finally, a guy gave me uh, a cue my mom says, get out. I hear her yell it to him. Get out. And so I take that as my cue. I step in there. And I say, get out. Get out. Later, um, as things evolved, uh, unraveled, um, my mom was saying Jody was basically being physically abusive to her. This boyfriend was being physically abusive, had her around the neck. And that, man, that was hard to hear. But God was with me in that moment. Thank God he left peacefully. And actually, he, he, uh, he didn't drive at the time, so I had to walk him down back to my uncle's house. God was with me in that moment because I wanted to tear him limb to limb. You know what I mean? He hurt my mama. <laughs> God was with me, helped me have self-control in that moment. He even bowed up to me for one second. Because he had a lot of rage going at this time. And so did I, by the way. I think I could have really killed him. <laughs> I could have 
beat him over his head with his arm. <laughs> but God was with me in that moment. He bowed up to me, and I turned to him, and I kept walking. God was with me in that moment. Thank you, Lord. So I went to get my uncle because, you know, I'm kind of scary. It's scary. I don't know what this guy's going to do. So I grabbed my uncle, and we take him back to his house. He goes peacefully, thank God. Finally, we come back to my mom's, and we call the cops, and he gets put in prison. Um, And we learned later he had a history of this domestic violence. And so he gets put in prison. God promised my heart to write a letter to him. And so I write a letter to him. (laughs) And I just say, "Um, I hate what you did to my mom, but I forgive you because I know I need it. God was with me in that writing of that letter. And I laid out the gospel for him. Now, I don't know, but he had a lot of time to think about that, (laughs) right? Probably sitting in prison, thinking about that moment in time, right? I don't know um, what happened with that. But I do know this. He wrote a letter back. Crazy, right? He wrote a letter back. And I don't remember all the words of it, but I remember him saying something like, Bruce, you shine, (laughs) right? But that wasn't Bruce. That was God, the Holy Spirit, God with me. Shining through me, be with me. And so I just praise God for that moment. He was with me in that hard, difficult situation. So this Christmas season, we celebrate Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus is God in the flesh who dwelled among us. The Holy Spirit is God who dwells in us. And so what does that tell you about our God? That he desires to be with you and with me. Even in our wandering, he desires to be with us. Come home, right? Even in our hurting, he desires to be with us. He's there. And even in our going, as we go and share our faith, he desires, he is with you. So what season of life do you find yourself in? In those categories, what season of life do you find yourself in? I asked Brian to come up and play some fluffy music. (laughs) I call it fluffy music. Brian, is that okay? So um, you got a pan and you got that section in your bulletin. We're just going to take time to write out a prayer, just quiet time, alone, just to write out a prayer. What season do you find yourself in in those categories? I know Christmas can bring up a lot of hurts. Some of us in this room have lost loved ones, and that's hard to go through a Christmas season and to go through the holidays without that person we love. Would you run to God with that hurt? Some of us, I might be wandering. Would you write out a prayer to God? Come save me. God, be with me in my wandering. And my encouragement to you is to repent, come home. And some of you might be um, desiring to share your, your faith or your story with friends and with family, with neighbors. 
Write out a prayer. Name that person specifically in, as, you, as you pray. God, save my neighbor. God, would you use me? Give me boldness to share with my family member who doesn't know you. So just, uh, just take a few minutes to write out a prayer. And then afterward, I'll come up and we're going to sing one last song. Thank you. So we are celebrating God with us this Christmas season. And there is so much to celebrate in the life and death and resurrection of Jesus and the coming of the Holy Spirit to dwell in us, to dwell with us. And yet there's more to come. There's a day coming when God will make all things new and the new heavens and the new earth. God himself will dwell or tabernacle, actually is the word, tabernacle with us. So in Revelation 21, 1 through 4, let me end us with this, this great news, this great hope. Here's what it says. And then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first earth, I'm sorry, the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, new Jerusalem, coming down from heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, listen to this, Behold, the dwelling place of God. He will dwell with them. He will tabernacle among them. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. I love that. I, I, end, <laughs> I end a lot of my sermons with that, because there's so much hope wrapped up in that. So much hope. That's what we are to encourage each other with. God with us. So uh, we actually have a song for you. Um, Brian's going to lead us in. It's called God with us. So thank you for your time. Love you guys.